Chris Schultz, you've got plenty on your list today. Let's crack into it. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Catherine. Great to be here. So, Thor, Love and Thunder is in theatres from today. Yeah, this is the sequel to Taika Waititi's uh, first Marvel movie, widely considered to be the best Marvel movie, actually. And it, it, it became that way uh, because, you know, Taika was allowed to make more of a Taika movie than a Marvel movie. He got a sandbox to play in and he did things with these characters like the Hulk and Thor that we hadn't seen before. It was really funny. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder is the sequel. Uh, I'm really sorry to report it's uh, it's not a really a Taika film. This is much more of a Marvel movie. Uh, it's a bit of a flaming hot mess. It's full of far too many characters, uh, kind of comedy skits that don't really, really work and, and very jarring tonal changes it's oh, I, I just I, I feel bad talking about it like this because I love Taika I love what he does he's done probably more for the New Zealand film and TV industry than anyone bar maybe Peter Jackson uh, and he's he's been at the top of his game for so long I mean he's such a, a major player in Hollywood now but um, yeah I got about halfway into this and realized I was kind of watching my son play video games is what it felt like, which is my least favorite activity. There's a lot of CGI. The green screen really shows. Uh, the action's just fast and furious. And there are characters popping in and popping out that, you know, don't make sense to the plot. They're not really there for anything apart from, it seems, to kind of join all these movies up, which is what this kind of Marvel train has become. You know, there's about, what, 30 of them now. And they've all got to tie in together. They want people to come to all of them. And so there's there's bits at the start that are linked to last previous films, and there's there's post credit sequences with characters that aren't in the film that I guess set up future films. It doesn't really make sense as a movie overall. They've brought back Natalie Portman from the first Thor film. She is a female Thor. Uh, she's dying of cancer in this. Uh, and then we've got Christian Bale playing Gore the Butcher, a, a really nasty, evil and actually quite scary villain. It feels like he's from another film. He's that vicious. Uh, so when you add that into a film that's full of things like uh, Russell Crowe playing Zeus with a dodgy Italian accent, it's really tonally jarring. And I, I just felt that all through this film, just these kind of weird lurches between scenes. Uh, it, it, it just doesn't really work. And I, I can't help but think, you know, Taika's sense of humour is such a... a, a finely tuned thing it's very delicate and when you when you uh stretch it too thin when you um when you try and put it into a box that it doesn't really fit it doesn't work and i, I just don't think it works in this movie all right so your second choice for us today the old man this is uh, this is my winter find actually this starts on disney plus next wednesday mark it in your diaries this is um this is jeff bridges the uh, you know the Big Lebowski, the great character actor playing a uh, aging mercenary. He used to be a hitman for the government. Now he's retired. He's got knee problems and hip problems and prostate problems, and he's living alone with these two dogs. And he kind of gets dragged back into his former life. Uh, John Lithgow, another aging veteran of the screen, is uh, the FBI boss who's semi-retired, and he gets dragged back into this case. It was. 30 years ago that is suddenly relevant again. And so um, Jeff Bridges has to go on the run at the age of 70. And that's where the drama of the show is, watching a 70-year-old former hitman 
let loose in society, trying to lay low, but then sort of being dragged back into his old kind of violent ways. Uh, it's it's kind of fascinating. The first episode is one of the best pilots I think I've seen. It's so tense. It's kind of, you know, the best of Homeland or 24 or one of those action shows. It, it, it really is just a masterclass in letting these two veterans uh, play characters they're perfectly suited to playing. There's this cat and mouse game going on, and it's, it's just a really compelling watch that's made even more dramatic when you know the backstory. Um, Jeff Bridges uh, nearly died twice during the making of this. He got COVID, really bad case of COVID, and then he also got cancer, so they had to shut shooting down twice. Uh, I'm happy to report he's healthy, he finished the season, and they've uh, commissioned season two, so really happy about that. All right. Um, any flaws in it, or actually it has pretty much, as you say, ticked the boxes? It can't quite sustain the pace of that first episode. In, I've seen four episodes, and, and there are a few uh, moments where it's just a little slower. Uh, it's just getting a, getting a grip on, on, on what it is, I think. Uh, but, but mostly, no, I'm, I'm right there with it. I'm, 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 I'm really enjoying it. I just love Jeff Bridges. I'm a massive fan. So seeing him at 70 play, he kind of plays two roles. He plays this doddery old man, but then when he gets pulled back into this former life, he's, he's a little more vicious and, and you can see that edge there. And he does that just so well. He's just so good. I love it. And John Lithgow, another veteran here, who's had some interesting roles that risk typecasting him, but he works here. Yeah, he's he's yeah he's just quite sullen and moody, and it's kind of perfect for him. Yeah, because he can play dark, and he he has to do that here. He is kind of you know regretting having to be pulled back into service to to chase this uh, rogue operative down. So, yeah, no, great role for both of them. Now, Man vs. Bee is on Netflix, and this is Rowan Atkinson. It's another (laughs) one, you think, where, again, I don't want to mention the the P word, but it feels like there's been 20 decades between between before and after, but also with comedy changing so much, um, some of these veteran television comedians are finding themselves coming up against new standards, new expectations, mm-hmm. new uh, approaches to what humour is mm. and who finds what funny. What's Man versus B? Yeah, well, this is a show that I've sort of used as an example of Netflix getting it really wrong. I, You know, they're, they're focusing on uh, quantity over quality these days. There's a lot of reality shows on there and a, a nine-season show, show about, you know, Rowan Atkinson chasing a bee around a house seems like a bit of a waste of money to me. But then, uh, you know, I volunteered to watch it at school holidays coming up next week. Parents need something to give their kids to do. And so sat down with my kids and they absolutely adored this. They are of an age where, you know, the kind of humour of Mr Bean is funny. And you're right, you know, we, we should be reappraising some of that comedy from the past. But Mr Bean was always just quite silly and family orientated and... Uh, I've shown them clips of Mr. Bean on YouTube. They adore it. He, you know, he doesn't say much in them. It's all about, you know, his actions. And, and so this... is he is he in his Mr. Bean character here, or something similar? No, he he talks. Uh, it's very similar. I mean, a lot of the the kind of physical comedy is, you know, he's chasing a bee around a ha- a flash house. He's a house sitter, and he just destroys the place. And that's the show. That's literally all it is. So each episode is just ten minutes of him ripping expensive paintings off the wall and. 
uh, trying to microwave a bee and and failing miserably and burning stuff and and that's that's just literally the show. But they're, my they're do- ten minute episodes. I think it might have been a movie that they've split into ten wow. episodes. Okay, that's what it feels like to me. But my daughter, man, she just adores it. She's acting out the scenes afterwards. She's cackling like I've never seen her cackle before. And that just brings me so much joy. So I'm, I'm not mad at this at all. All right. Uh, <laughs> and the Taskmaster, um, I was just discussing yesterday the number of sort of international um, franchises, for want of a better word, that New Zealand's picked up on of late. You know, that mask singer thing. And mm. uh, How well do they travel? Oh, I think... I think we, well, it depends on the comedians, right? Like with Taskmaster, it's all about the local talent and whether we have enough talent to pull it off. I mean, season three of Taskmaster, um, we, you think we might be running out of comedians, but actually they've pulled together another really good bunch. You know, Taskmaster was a show last year that kept us going during lockdown. It's when David Correos really stole a show with his uh, increasingly crazed antics. But um, they've got another great bunch. My picks this season are uh, Josh Thompson and Kitta Forrester. Uh, based on last night's premiere, I think they're going to be the ones to watch here. But they're all great. I mean, even seeing Paul Ego out of his out of, out of of his seven days kind of persona, he surprisingly worked. And I, I, yeah, it's just, it's a funny show. They get comedians to do dumb stuff and then... Uh, laugh at themselves, and it, it, it works. Well, as um, you say, it's simple It's simple laughs, and Lordy knows, maybe we're up for all we can get yeah. uh, right now in some of those old concepts that we think, oh, surely I can't laugh at that still after all these decades, but why the hell not? Thanks, Chris. Chris Schultz, with what he has been viewing, which includes Thor, Love and Thunder in theatres from today, The Old Man, Disney Plus from next Wednesday, Man vs. Bears on Netflix, and Taskmaster back on free-to-air television, I think it is.